Chelek Yudches, volume 18, the first Sicha for Shavuos. As an introduction, I would like to familiarize ourselves with a very important concept, which is key to this Sicha. And that is a halachic concept from the Gemara. It's called Dina Debar Metzer. Literally translates the rule or the halacha of a bordering field. What does this mean? If one sells a field, there is, so to speak, a first right to the neighboring fields, meaning the owners of the neighboring fields have a first right to purchase that field. What happens if the seller went over their head or did not offer it to them and sold it to, you know, someone else? Then the neighbors could actually come and seize it, can actually take it by right, by virtue of this mitzvah, of this law, of this rule of bar metzah. Of course, they would have to compensate the purchaser for the fair market value or what have you. Now, what is really the logic behind this? Because there's a verse in the Torah that says, You should do that which is right and good in the eyes of Hashem. And this is precisely that. Because a person who is in a neighboring field and is going to anyway purchase a field, it would obviously be best for them, much better for them, more practical, more efficient for them to have an adjacent field versus having a field elsewhere because here you can minimize the amount of equipment you need and the amount of uh, time that gets wasted on, on traveling from one work site to another and so on and so forth. And therefore, this is considered to be a just act and therefore the Torah expects you and in fact obligates you to follow it. But there are several rules which I wanted you to be familiar with to help us get through the Sikha. Number one, this only applies to land, to like real estate, not to movable objects, not to things that can be sold or uh, transported from one place to another. This, uh, number two, uh, this rule only applies to a sale, not to a gift. In other words, if I gift somebody my field, no one can come and make the argument, hey, I'm the next door neighbor, you should have sold it to me first. Because it's my right to gift it to whoever I want, and it's something I did out of, the, out of the goodness of my heart, and it's my discretion, and no one has any right to tell me whom to gift it to and who not, and how and to give it away. Another thing, if, another rule, if the purchaser who purchased that field, who is not the neighbor, happens to be a partner to the seller, meaning they have already some business relations, then that overrides the din of bar metzra. In other words, it falls away because they have an inherent closeness and that gives them priority. Another rule, if the purchaser has a very, a very mitigating circumstance, in other words, they're in a desperate state and they must have that field for whatever reason, then this overrides the, quote, justness and goodness of the act of the law, of the premise of Bar Metzrah. And another thing that I want to emphasize again is even after the purchase has already been settled, meaning he's already bought and already uh, made an act of acquisition of the field, still the neighbor, the Bar Metzrah, can come and seize the field. Now, every medrash that we have is not just stories. You know, many times it seems like it's just giving us the back end stories of things, which is very interesting, very amusing. That's not the case. It's, since it's part of Torah, the Midrashim 
on the various episodes of the Torah that gives insight or more detail into the stories or the story behind the story is actually to teach us very important, deep and fundamental lessons and, and, and virtues and values in Judaism. So in this sikha, we're going to see, one, we're going to examine one of the very important stories that we, in relations to Matan Torah, to the giving of the Torah, specifically when Moshe went up to receive the Torah and receive the tablets, and it will give us insight as to what is the general, what is the purpose of Matan Torah, and what is our mission as the Jews, those who receive the Torah. So the Talmud relates that, quote, when Moshe went up to the heavens to receive the Torah, so the administrating angel said before before Hashem, um, Master of the universe, what is a person, what is a human being, what is one born to a woman doing amongst us? Hashem responded to them, oh, he came to receive the Torah. So they, the angel said to Hashem, this hidden treasure, which has been hidden for 974 generations prior to the creation of the world. It's so special. It's so rare. And you now seek to give it to mortal beings. And they quoted the verses which says, What is man that you should be mindful of him? And another verse that says, Quote, Hashem, look how great you are. Why don't you place your majesty on the heavens? That means leave it here in the heavens. So Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, turns to Moshe and he says to him, why don't you respond? Why don't you give him an answer? So Moshe said before him, Moshe said to Hashem, Master of the universe, the Torah that you are giving to the Jewish people, what does it say in it? And it starts off, of course, the first commandment of the Ten Commandments is, I am Hashem, your God, who took you out of Egypt. So he turns to the angels and he says, have you guys been enslaved in Egypt? Were you working for Pharaoh? Were you in bondage? What do you need the Torah for? And then again, he turns to them and he says, here is another commandment. It says you should have no other gods before me. Are you by any chance amongst, do you find yourselves amongst the nations of the world who can influence you to worship other gods? Not at all. So why would you need the Torah? And then he said to them other points. For example, in, in reference to the mitzvah of keeping Shabbos, of resting, he says, do you guys work for a living? Do you guys toil hard during the week that you need a day of rest? Or he says to them, um, is it that you have parents, that you have to be commandment to honor your father and mother? Or um, not to steal, do you guys do any commerce? Do you have any business dealings that you need to be reminded not to steal from each other? And then finally, he, he concludes with saying, do you have a Yetzirah? Do you any of you have at all? an evil inclination for which you need to be warned. You need to be prohibited from having jealousy. Jealousy comes from evil inclination. And therefore, Moshe made the case, the Torah has nothing to do with you, and therefore you have no argument for it. Now, in understanding this episode, this narrative in the, in the Talmud, and understanding the story, the commentaries bring various points, various uh, interesting commentary as to what went on over here, what the arguments of the of the angels were and what the arguments of what the arguments of the angels was and what the arguments of Moshe were. So there are those that say that the actual the, the fundamental argument of the angels 
was based on, so to speak, legally speaking, on the law of Bar Metzrah. And that's why they use the verse, Why don't you place your glory, why don't you place it on the heavens? What were they saying? Their argument was, since the Torah is hidden here in the heavens for so many generations, and they, the angels, where do they, quote, like, reside, so to speak, in the heavens? So this will only follow to do what's just and right and give it to them. And give it to them. And of course, if you argue, but wait one second, has Hashem not established in the Torah already? It says, quote, command the, Jew, the, 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 the children of Israel or say to the children of Israel, even so, the angels can make the argument that this law of Bar Metzrah, this law of honoring the neighboring owner, the owner of the neighboring field, applies even after the purchase was said and done, even after the purchase has been, um, so to speak, completed. Even then, you can come and seize it. So that's the argument. It's not too late. Regardless of the fact that Hashem had already, quote, commanded it to the Jewish people, we still have a right. The Torah should belong to us. The Torah should be given to us. And according to these commentaries, what is the counter uh, answer that Moshe gave according to this? So number one, there's a suggestion that perhaps Moshe said, the Torah is considered to be metaltalin, like movable objects. And it's not doesn't have the status of land. In fact, we see it actually in the words of the Alter Rebbe and Tanya, where he explains, he describes how the Torah, although it originates in the quote, in the wisdom of Hashem himself, yet it comes down, it evolves, it, it doesn't evolve, but it actually comes directly down, just like water trickles down from the mountains, the original thing that comes all the way down, down. That has the hallmarks of a movable object. So that's one answer. Another answer is that, hey, this whole law applies only to a sale, not to a gift. And Hashem is no saying HaTorah. Hashem gifts us the Torah. And therefore, they have no argument. Number three, another suggestion. Since there's a verse that says, quote, Who is a nation that's such a great nation that has Hashem close to him? And therefore, Hashem is like a relative to us. And we spoke about it. That the fact, and the, the, the fact is, I mean, that the rule of Bar Metzvah does not apply if you're selling it to a relative or you're giving it away to a relative. Another answer that some some commentaries uh, suggest that Moshe, we find before his passing, he is referred to as Ish HaElokim, a man of God. And the Talmud says that he was half and half. Half of him, meaning his upper half, was li literally like a celestial being that finds itself in the heavens, and his lower half was like the, like, a, like a human being. And therefore, he is, quote, close to uh, to, to Hashem. He is, he is like in the heavens. That's another suggestion. Number five, another suggestion is, there's a rule that says, there's a Talmud that says, I mean, that any judge that rules an honest, true Torah verdict, meaning he does everything consistent with the Torah, in the full and absolute truth, with true, genuine Torah truth, that person becomes, quote, like a partner to Hashem. Now, if you're a partner to Hashem, then we said before in the introduction that once someone is a partner to someone, they have some business relations, they get first licks, and the whole rule of Bar Metzah falls away. Now, the Rebbe says, let's take a little moment to analyze these interesting suggestions. And the last two, one can make the following argument, because the last two focus in on Moshe. 
and let me just remind you, either Moshe being, quote, a man of God, meaning he's in the heavens anyway, so he is also a neighbor. And number two, that since he was a true judge, as it says that he judged the people, so he becomes like a partner to Hashem. So on this, of course, you can counter and say, wait, one second. Moshe didn't come to receive the Torah for himself. If anything, he was almost like a middleman in this sense. He was receiving it for us. So how does that answer for us? How does that counter the argument of the angels? Well, says the Rebbe, this we could also answer. Because the truth is that the Jews themselves, meaning we, the children of Israel, A, what makes us Jewish? What makes us the children of Israel? The virtue of the fact that we have a soul. That soul, it says, is, quote, chiseled and a part of the holy heavenly throne. So we are close already. In other words, that's that's where our original residence is, so to speak, and therefore we are neighbors. And number two, since we already had observed the mitzvah of Shabbos, which by the way, we received the mitzvah of Shabbos for the first time, not in the Ten Commandments, but already at one of the first stops that they made. After leaving Egypt, after crossing the sea, it says that Hashem gave them already some of the mitzvot, and that was Shabbat. Now we know that the rule is, that I mean the sages tell us that one who recites Vayichulu, one who observes the Shabbos, and pronounces as we do in the Kiddush, we say that Hashem completed the heavens and the earth, and He created the entire uh, heavens and earth for six days, and then He rested on the seventh. Whoever recites those few verses becomes, quote, a partner to Hashem in the creation of the world. So we're partners. So this does have merit. This does make sense. And it's not specifically about Moshe, it's about us. So this is very nice. All these answers are really nice and really intriguing. However, there is a fundamental problem with all these commentaries, with all these answers. And that is, where do you see it in the words of Moshe? In the way the Talmud describes the narrative, you don't find a suggestion of any of these. These are very interesting points, but it's not what it says in the Talmud. And, you know, perhaps, and, and I'm sorry, moreover, the last three, the latter three answers that, you know, are trying to make the point that we, the Jewish people, are closer to the heavens, again, that seems to be antithetical to what Moshe said. Because Moshe said, and he emphasized again and again how we are connected to the earth, not connected to the heaven. In other words, how we are more earthly. We have we have parents. We have come from flesh and blood. We work. We are involved in the mundane. We have a yitzhara. We have the the the, the um, potential or predisposition for jealousy and for stealing and things like that. That is the opposite of being close to heaven and making the argument that we are close in the sense that we are neighbors. So that cannot be, you know, so to speak, justified as what Moshe is saying. We need to still understand how and what happened here. In other words, what was the argument really of the angels and what was Moshe responding to them? Now, another few questions that we can ask on the generality of these commentaries is, number one, remember, the argument that the Torah is a movable object really doesn't fly here. Because what is the... What is the logic behind that? In other words, what is the logic behind the fact that since something is a movable object, therefore the din of Bar Metzra, this rule does not apply, that is because the argument basically is, look, 
You don't have to buy it here. He didn't have to sell it to you because you have to. You happen to be in close proximity because this is something of the nature that if you can't buy here, you buy it elsewhere. This is not your only chance. You see, land, You if it's this piece of land, you can only buy here. You can't buy this piece of land elsewhere. But if it's a movable object, you buy it elsewhere. You transport it. You'll just deal with some logistics. But this argument can't be made for the Torah because the Torah is not an item that can be bought elsewhere. So what kind of answer is this? Now, another argument, remember we said, oh, because the Torah, according to one of the commentaries, because the Torah is, is in, has a status of a gift and it's not a sale. That's true. The Torah is considered a gift. But we also do find that the Torah has the status of a, quote, an inheritance. And also, it has the status of a sale. It says elsewhere that Hashem sold us the Torah. He sold us his precious uh, uh, treasure. So it does have the status of a sale. So at least from this perspective of it being a sale, how do we explain it away? How do we explain it away? Now, there is another approach in trying to explain this episode by explaining that it's, the angels were not arguing that they want to claim the Torah or the part of the Torah which has more of a connection or has more of an application in earthly things. In other words, they weren't arguing that we want to have the Torah, that part of the Torah, which today you perhaps you would call the Shulchan Aruch, the code of Jewish law, the do's and the don'ts of the Torah, because they understood that doesn't apply to them. They don't live in this world. They live in the, in the higher celestial worlds. But their argument was that the Chelek Hasot, that the esoteric part of the Torah, or we call this the, the part of the of the of the Kabbalah like the secret part of the Torah, that part which is typically concealed, that should remain with them. That is something which is quote hidden in the heavens. It's like a treasure that's been kept in the heavens, and that should at least not be given to the Jews and it should stay with them. And the argument to that and the answer to that, according to these commentaries, was that there's a rule in the rule of Bar Metzra. That if one, quote, sells all of his properties to one person, in other words, he sells his entire, his entire uh, net worth, he sells it to one person, that precludes the whole din of Bar Metzer. In other words, over there you say, look, since he sold him all his fields, all his properties, now this gets included in the package and the neighbor cannot come and argue bar metzra. Why? Because when you sell something, you sell it as a whole thing. You sell it as an entirety. And since he's selling it all of it, therefore it overrides the din of bar metzra. So therefore, the, the argument that they say that answers the argument of the angels is that, look, if the Jews get one part of the Torah, which is the main part of the Torah, the part which they you know, the part of action, the part of implementation, which is the performance of the mitzvot and all its details, then they get that part too, and there's no argument for you, okay? The, the um, you know, because, and we need it, because, because we have, you know, to be in this world, and we need to implement the Torah, you know, in order to be able to overcome the hardships and the challenges that the world, world, world and the worldly things bring in, uh, in in performance of the Torah, therefore we need to have also that essence of the Torah, that secretive part of the Torah, the esoteric part of the Torah, which is like it's like like that special uh, antidote to overcome and to counter the Yitzhahara, the evil inclination. So that's according to these commentaries how we can explain away the story. 
However, there's still a difficulty. Why? Because we don't see this in the words of Moshe. On the contrary, Moshe seems to focus in not on the esoterics, but all and only on the, so to speak, the actionable things, that which is connected to the mundane, whether it's parents, whether it's work, whether it's enslavement, whether it's jealousy, whether it's, it's, it's thievery, all these things is everything but esoterics. This is just plain, simple, practical, down-to-earth stuff. So we don't see it in his words. So therefore, although this is a very nice approach, but it still doesn't suffice for us to really understand, thoroughly appreciate what the Talmud says and the way the Talmud brings the narrative. So the Rebbe says the explanation is as follows. You see, what is the purpose of the Torah? The purpose of the Torah is that we should accomplish Hashem's will. We should fulfill His desire in the creation of the world, which is to make a dira betachtonim, literally to make a dwelling place for Him down here in this earth. Now, why is the emphasis on the word dira, a dwelling place? Because a dwelling place, as explained, is a place where one is comfortable. You know, when one is, even in the fanciest hotel, you don't feel the same way that you're at home. And when one is in a place, even if they feel comfortable there, but if it's not your house, you don't behave in the same manner as comfortable and have your guard down as when you're in the privacy of your own home. And Hashem wanted it to be that the world should become a place not just compatible, but it should be a place uh, to godliness, but it should be a place where godliness is, so to speak, feeling absolutely comfortable in this world. And therefore, all the arguments of the, of the, um, <clears throat> of the angels fall away. Why? Because the rule is that if, quote, the bar metzra, meaning the neighboring, the owner of the neighboring field, he desires that parcel of land in order to, to uh, plant it, in order to do agriculture. And the purchaser, he purchased the land with the purpose of developing it and building dwelling places, building places of residence, he has the preference. Now, since our purpose in this world is to make, quote, a place of residence for Hashem, a dwelling place for Hashem, therefore the argument of the uh, angels falls away. And that's exactly what Moshe told them. He gave them all the examples how the purpose and the objective of the Torah and the Ten Commandments is to make a dwelling place in this world, either through the means of a positive commandment, like keeping Shabbos, or through the means of, you know, observing a negative uh, commandments, not to steal, not to have jealousy, and so on and so forth. All these things are about the transformation of the material, namely to make a dwelling place for Hashem. The question then is, so what was the argument of the angels in the first place? I mean, they're not stupid. They know that this is the purpose of the Torah. The answer is that the angels were arguing, look, we too need to have the effect of Torah. We too need the quote, the light of Torah. Why? Because as great as they are, and as spiritually high as they are, the angels, still compared to the essence of God's light, the essence of Hashem, they're so far, they're so distant. And they know that they need the power of the Torah in order to become more elevated, in order to become closer, so to speak, to the essence, to the infinite light of Hashem, in order to be able to enjoy more of a connection to Hashem. However, if that's the case, then why not? Why not give it to them? Because the answer is that ultimately, the way Hashem designed it is 
that to elevate the world and to elevate the angels, in other words, to bring everything up, both in the material worlds and the spiritual, in this material realms and the spiritual realms, to bring it up closer and closer to Hashem and make a dwelling place for Hashem, that can only happen through our avodah, through our efforts down here, so to speak, in the, in the lower worlds, in the mundane material worlds. Why? Because this is like the, the uh, you use the analogy of a, of a lever, Okay, a type of machine that you or think of a of a forklift. That how do you lift everything up? Even the thing that's the most and the, the highest perched on the top of the entire package. How do you lift it up by by lifting it up from the very bottom and picking up the lowest tier of that load? You now lift up the entirety of the load, including the very top, the very pinnacle of that load. And likewise, the way Hashem made it is that when we lift up the world. Not only are we lifting up the, the, the physical world, but through us and with us are becoming, uh, the angels become also lifted up and get closer to Hashem and are able to enjoy that infinite light of Hashem more and more. And that's where you see it in the words of Moshe. By him giving all these examples, all these material examples of materialistic things, to the extent he ends with what? With jealousy, which is the lowest. Think about it. Think about the level of the person, how low a person is, that they become jealous. And that, says Moshe, is what we need the Torah for, to lift up even that level, to lift up even that low point of this material world and bring that up. And through that, we'll bring everything up. And the angels are not able to accomplish this. This has to be done specifically through us. And therefore, although they had an argument, hey, we want the Torah, we need the Torah for our benefit, Moshe's answer was certainly decisive in shutting down their argument. And why do we need the Torah? In other words, in conclusion, why do we need to have the Torah specifically to accomplish what we have to accomplish? Because if you think about it, what is in the Torah? The essence of Hashem is hidden in the Torah. In other words, when we study Torah, Hashem says, quote, O see Atem Lochem. You're not just taking the Torah. You're not just taking my wisdom. You're taking me. I am in the Torah. So when we connect the Torah, we connect to Hashem. What is Hashem inherently? When you think of God, what do you think of? The power of the Creator. He's the Creator of the worlds. So when we have to transform the world, think about it. That, in a sense, is a, in a certain sense, is a form of creation. We're really creating one thing from another thing. Almost like what Hashem did, He did yesh me'ayin. He created something from, quote, nothing. And we take the material of the world and we create, we transform it, thus creating something new from it, which is spirituality, lifting it up and connecting it to Hashem. And that is the explanation of what Moshe said. And if you think about it, that's exactly what you can find in the words of Moshe, how the Rebbe so masterfully explained, you know, what they argued and what Moshe answered them and how that all makes sense.